You know, cell phones, uh, kind of a booming business these days. And it's interesting because the companies are kind of like jockeying for that uh, first position. You know, they're always in competition with one another. And they spend a lot of money trying to show potential customers why they're a better choice. And uh, Verizon, I think, probably makes some of the boldest claims in, in their commercials. Uh, they have a series of commercials out that uh, they have different people in these remote locations. And they, they show them, and then you look behind them, and as they're talking on the phone, you see just this network of people, you know, just uh, everywhere they move, the, the network moves with them. And uh, they, they talk about it's the network. And all those commercials, when you're watching them at the end, there's kind of a voiceover that says, America's most reliable network. And I think they're great commercials. Uh, I don't have Verizon, but uh, I would guess that those commercials are pretty effective in helping them get new customers. What I want to do today is I want to talk about a reliable network, one that you can depend on. You can, you can take it to the bank, a network that's never going to drop your calls and always keeps you connected. We've been talking about a thing called prayer. We're in this series, iPhone. And I'd encourage you, if uh, you haven't been with us or you missed one of the last couple of weeks, uh, download the message because normally I don't build off of each message, but this really, uh, to get to the level that we want with prayer, it's a building process. And so I'd encourage you to download the messages. Uh, there's information in the worship guide on that. Job 30, verse 20. Job says, I cry out to you, O God. But you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. And I don't know what you hear, but when I look at that, I think, you know, that sounds familiar. I mean, have you ever said those kind of words? Have you, have you ever felt that kind of feeling? You know, the Bible says that we can pray anytime. We can pray anywhere. We can talk about anything we want with God. In fact, the Bible from cover to cover says that God answers prayers. But I'll be honest with you. You know, there have been times in my life where I didn't feel like God was listening. I didn't feel like I was connecting with God. Uh, felt more like a drop call. You know, like, are you there, God? You know, but prayer, we're told, that network never fails. And I think part of the reason we think it failed is because God didn't answer the prayer the way we wanted it answered. And what I want to look at today is how does God connect with us in, in prayer? I totally believe that prayer is the most reliable network. I believe you can count on it, you can depend on it, that, that God answers those prayers. But the problem is, sometimes God doesn't answer them the way we want, the way we were looking for in, in our lives. And so then it brings me to kind of go, well, what's the deal here? I mean, what, what's the problem? Is God like false advertising, you know, saying, I'll answer your prayers, but then he, then he doesn't? I mean, why doesn't God answer my prayers? And I think the problem is that we don't understand that God's going to answer one of several ways. In fact, I believe there are three specific ways that God answers our prayers. Sometimes 
when we're praying. You ever have those moments when you just feel like God's connecting with you and you're connecting with God and you kind of sense in your spirit that God's listening? And I pour my heart out and all of a sudden God's heart's moved. And God says, yes. And I get jazzed about that. I I get excited when, when God says yes. I love it when I lift up a prayer and God begins to move things and change things and says, yes. I'll also be honest that most of the time when God says yes, it's far greater than I expected. That God does more than, than I really anticipated. And those are those moments, I, I, I would guess you've had them, when you go around and you tell people. You go, God said Yes. I said a prayer, and guess what happened? You know, it's the network. Man, what a network we have with God. Isn't prayer great? Yay, God, and and all that stuff. But here's where things get complicated. Those times that we get challenged, and we begin to question the reliability of this network with God. Have you ever got a phone call? Now, I'm going to give you my opinion, okay? My opinion on this. But have you ever been on the phone with someone and they've got this annoying feature on their phone called call waiting? Seriously, this is my opinion, okay? But you're talking to somebody, you're having a conversation, you're connecting, and they go, hey, could could you hold just a minute? I got another call. Now, first of all, it sounds like a question. It's not a question. They never let you answer the question, you know. They just go, I'll be right back, you know. They put you on hold, and you wait. And what I really love is when they've put you on hold, and then they come back, and they go, hey, are are you still there? Whoops, got another call. Be right back. Now, again, I, I find this annoying, is a feature, all right? Nothing says I love you like call waiting and putting you on hold. (laughs) Annoying feature. And as I'm saying that, some of you are rewinding, going, man, I hope I never put him on hold before. (laughs) Don't tax yourself. I'm naming names through this message, so... (laughs) This is true. Uh, When we got our phone package at home, it had call waiting. And I told Cindy, I said, get rid of it. I don't want it. So she calls the phone company and says, we want to get rid of this feature. And they tell us our phone bill is going up if we do that. Uh, no, no joke. It actually, actually happened. So uh, we put the call waiting on the fax machine so that uh, so if you fax us, you might have to wait. But uh, I, I, hate, I hate that feature. And... Part of it is, and I'll own this part, I don't like to wait. I don't like to be put on hold. You know, I believe most of us are like that. We're kind of an instantaneous society. We want things, and we want them when? Now. I think the same is true in prayer. I think many times we go, you know, God, here's what I was thinking. Here's what I'm wanting. Here's what I'm needing. In fact, I've written it out for you here. Come on. Let's get with it, God. Let's go. Let's go. Time's a-wasting. I need this answered. 
And unlike call waiting, you see, God doesn't go, well, just hold for a moment. Got someone more important to talk to on the other line. No. God says, not right now. Not right now. You're going to have to wait a little bit. You know, you're going to have to sit back. You, you need to address some things first in your life. Uh, we need to have some things happen beforehand. We, you need to experience some things first. When God says, wait, you know what we hear? No. When God says, wait, we hear no. I mean, my kids were like that growing up. My grandkids, they're following right, right in line. I'll say something like, not right now, in a little while. We'll do that in a little bit. And what they hear is no. They hear no. I said wait, they hear no. And as my kids got older, I kind of knew they were maturing. Because all of a sudden, I could say wait, or in a little while, And they understood what it meant. You want to check your maturity level. Pick your area. How well do you wait? You want to check your maturity level financially? How well do you wait? You want to look at your spirituality? How well do you wait? How well do you do when when God says, wait? You know, sometimes God says no, and man, we don't like that. In fact, that that word kind of puts people on tilt. We despise the word no. It it has such finality to it. It it kind of evokes a a negative response from us. Again, I'm going to suggest it's a maturity issue. You know, I remember my kids would ask for things, and many times I didn't even have to think about it. It was real easy. No. How many of you got teenagers? (laughs) You know how this goes, right? I mean, teenager walks in and goes, Dad, I was thinking maybe I could get a bag of poisonous snakes and play out on the highway with them. Is that okay? It's like, sure, kids, go, go. You know, I, I was thinking, my granddaughter says that, and when she says that, I know she's setting me up. She'd go, I was thinking, Grandpa, you know, how about if you give me $100 so I could buy Snicker bars for the weekend? You know, and I know it's not quite that bad, but there are those times, you know. Can, can I go to Carol's party that's all night? Is Carol's parents going to be home? No. No. And then you know how the rest of it goes, right? You hate me. You're trying to ruin my life and destroy me and nobody cares. No is not a popular word. It just isn't. And I, as I think back on my parenting, most of the time when I said no, I was protecting them. I was teaching them. I was preparing them. Prayer's reliable. God answers prayers. And he either says, yes, we love that part, wait, we don't like that, and no, we really don't like. I think there are a few other answers God gives us. 
And I've prayed a few prayers, and I imagine God just went, get serious, Damon. Or he just laughed for quite a while, you know. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Here's what I want to do today. I want to argue God's case. I want to look at why God says no, because that's the one we really have a hard time with. When God says no, sometimes God says no because God's got a sky view. Recently in the news, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but they're having road construction in St. Louis. <laughs> if you're not from around here, you have, you'd have thought Armageddon was happening in this town. It was monopolized the news for, for weeks. And they gave some serious coverage. They were, they were closing part of I-64 and 40. And so everybody got extremely uh, tense. And commuters were extremely concerned. You know, how's this going to affect my commute? You know, am I going to get jammed up? And what was interesting was Channel 2 and its affiliates saw an increase in their morning, morning viewers. Why? Skyfox 2. The chopper with a view. You know, commuters in St. Louis that were going to St. Louis, they're they're watching TV before they leave. Some people were having stuff downloaded to their phones so they'd know the traffic situation. They were listening to the radio, and everyone was waiting for that announcer, whether it was on TV or the radio, to say, Let's get a traffic report. You know, and then you hear that and you hear that kind of muffled voice saying, this is Skybox 2. Everything looks in good shape. Everything except 70 going east near King's Highway. We got a car off on the shoulder. You can expect 20 to 30 minute delays. And here's what I would guess. I don't commute. You know, it takes me like 30 seconds to walk from upstairs to my dungeon downstairs. I'm thinking, man, this is a piece of cake. I don't know what all the worries about, you know. But people listening, if they were traveling that space, my guess is they adjusted. They readjusted. It saved them some headaches. It saved them some time. See, when, when we pray and when we talk to God, I, I believe you've got to understand that God has a Skyfox 2 view of your life. He can see the entire highway system in your life, in my life. He's able to look down the road and see where there's going to be problems. So when God says, no, I've got to trust his view. You know, Hebrews 4.13, Paul writes this and he says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. In other words, God can see everything. You know, Proverbs say, writes in Proverbs 2, for, the guard, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. He's talking about you and, you and me. God protects us. And I don't know about you, but I, I've kind of thought back through my life and the times I've lifted up prayers and God said no. And to date, anyway, as I look back on those things, I'm so glad God denied some of my prayers. I, I, I understand now why that was the case. 
You know, I, I'm thankful that, that God didn't just jump in and make it happen. I, I think about all the great things I would have missed in life, the, the things that would have jammed me up had God said yes. You see, God's got that sky view. I also think God's got a superior plan for our lives. A lot of times our prayers when we're praying to God, they, they sound more like a command and kind of like a laid out agenda. You know, here God, here's my agenda, here's my plan, one, two, three, A, B, C. This is what is best for me. It's a bad cheer, right? <laughs> but that's what it sounds like. When I look at God's plan, I don't like God's plan sometimes. God's plan requires courage, requires patience, requires discipline, endurance. And get this, sometimes God's plan costs, costs us big time. You know, you have to end a relationship. You're not going to be able to go here or there anymore. You've got to change. You've got to sacrifice. See, we want our plan. You know why? Not because it's better. We want our plan because it's easier. It's always easier. My plan is always easier than God's. Have you ever noticed that? Whatever plan you come up with for your life, it's always easier than the one God puts out there. But the fact is, God's plan is superior. It's just not easier. Isaiah, he writes, Isaiah 55, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. This is God speaking. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, you could change the word way and put, put plan there. My plans are higher than your plans. You know, God could say my agenda is higher than your agenda. You could just substitute that in. Because God's got a better way in your life. Now, you guys know I love football. And yes, I'm still grieving my Steelers. But football, um, they've got the Hall of Fame. You know, all the sports do. And... Uh, each year they select the best of the best. Uh, the class of 2007, I think they brought five people in. And uh, one of them was a St. Louis guy. How many of you know who it was? Yeah, Roger Worley. Uh, number 22, played for the Cardinals. I was thrilled because I used to like to watch him play. And uh, he played in the early 70s or Throughout the 70s, early 80s, I guess, he, he retired. And he was finally given his dues, recognized as one of the greats of all time in his position. He was a corner. God's Word has a Hall of Fame group. And they're kind of uh, the inductees, you, you might say. In Hebrews 11:39, it says, These were all commended, these inductees of faith, because of how they lived. And what I, what I find interesting, if you read that who's who list, this Hall of Fame list, these people of faith, if you read their lives, what's interesting is you find that when they prayed, 
Sometimes they prayed and God did what they wanted. Just boom, just took care of it. But you also find many times they prayed and they didn't get what they wanted. God said no. You know, I think about Daniel. Daniel, he says, you know what? I don't want to go into the lion's den. You know, I do not want to deal with those bad boys. You know what God said to him? You know what? You're going to have to go on in. I'm giving you an opportunity. It's part of a plan. I'm going to put you in the lion's den, and then I'm going to shut the lion's mouth. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do something great, and from that, I'm going to receive glory. See, it was more difficult, but God did it. You know, I think about the the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, about to be thrown in the fiery furnace. They're like, God, we don't want to go in there. Now, I'm just guessing the conversation, but I'm sure at some point God said, look, I got a better plan. This plan is smoking. Sorry, guys, wrong word. You know, this plan's better. You're going to go in, but you're going to emerge from the fire victoriously. See, God was glorified. And we talk about both those stories to this day because God had a plan. And friends, the longer I walk with God, the more convinced that sometimes when God says no, the reason why is God's got a better purpose for our life, a much greater purpose. Isaiah writes, Isaiah 46, 10, says, My purpose will stand, says the Lord, and I will do all that I please. Behind every problem in life, no matter what it is, God brings about a purpose. And for some strange reason, as human beings, we think God owes us an explanation. You know, kind of like, hey, Damon, if it's okay, here's what I'd like to do in your life, you know. Uh, Damon, if, if you don't mind, could you move over here? Could you do this? Could you do that? You know, Damon, if you don't mind, if you do this, I'll do that in your life. I was thinking as I was sitting at my desk um, working on this message, I thought, I'll be honest with you. Even if God were to ask my permission, which he's not going to, but even if God was to ask my permission, I was thinking about, you know, four or five years ago, my life was kind of getting turned upside down. And if God would have came to me and said, you know, Damon, here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about such and such for your life. And even if it's okay, you know what I would have said? I don't think so. Oh, no. No, that sounds too rough. Sounds painful. Sounds like some sacrifice. Sounds like I might get hurt a little bit. But you know what? I would have missed God's best. 
would have missed God's best for my life. I never would have agreed had God asked me. And, and I'm convinced, even if God tried to explain it to me and say, look, here's the different steps and here's what's involved. And there, there's a church that's going to happen that's called Faith Fellowship. And this is what it'll look like. Friends, I would have I dug, dug my heels in and said, you got to be joking me. Because I probably wouldn't have understood the greater purpose in life. You know, sometimes when you're in a situation, I believe all you can do and the best you can do, and sometimes the only thing you can do is trust God in the midst of it. Sometimes you just got to hold on. Close your eyes and let God lead. You know, the Apostle Paul, he had a great desire in his life. He had a passion for Jesus Christ. And I believe next to him preaching on a regular basis, one of the things that, that you find as you kind of unearth what, what he, he has left us of his legacy in life is that he wanted to go to Rome more than anything. He wanted to rent the Colosseum, he wanted to have a crusade, and he wanted to preach the gospel so that tens of thousands of people might be saved. You know, so that they'd give their life to Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what he was interested in doing. And he prayed about that several times. And God said, no, I have a greater purpose for you. And so if you read the story, here's, here's kind of what happens. Paul, instead of getting to go to Rome and preach, he ends up in prison. He ends up a prisoner. And then to top it off, he could have been on the show Lost because he ends up on an island shipwrecked. And finally, in the book of Acts, years later, he's been saying, I want to go to Rome, I want to go to Rome, I want to go to Rome. And God's been saying, no, not yet, no, not yet, no, not yet. And then God says, hey, you know what? I was thinking maybe we could go to Rome. Catch this. He gets to go to Rome as a prisoner and he gets to see Rome from a prison cell and I'm thinking now wait a minute God this is messed up you you have a greater purpose for Paul's life give me a break Paul wants to preach the gospel he wants to reach people and now he's in Rome and he's in a prison what's up with that and as Paul Harvey would say, I'm dating myself, aren't I? The young ones are going, who? Who? And now, for the rest of the story. See, I think God understood Paul. Paul was a driven individual, focused. And I think God understood that if he was out and about, he'd be preaching because that's what he liked. That's what he was good at. So God puts him in a prison cell and all of a sudden he has to stop, refocus, and so he starts writing. In fact, he wrote most of the New Testament. Now here's the grand question. Which is greater? Paul preaching a three-day crusade in Rome or penning most of the New Testament. And I wonder 
if when Paul took his last breath before they killed him. I wonder if Paul ever realized that his life, that God used him for a greater purpose. I don't know. I guarantee you on the other side, he was able to look and go, wow, not only did I touch my generation, I've touched all these generations. He touched our lives today. See, God may be saying no right now, but you've got to trust the fact that God has a sky view, that God has a superior plan, and that God has a greater purpose for your life. When God says no, you've got to remember his motivation. I mean, it's always out of love. He cares for you. He loves you. And he loves us as people. He wants the best for us. But I know the moment God says no, the evil one gets in our head. Psst, psst. God can't be trusted. God doesn't care about you. God God loves frustrating you and making your life a mess. And friends, when you hear that, you immediately ought to just fire back and go, Satan, you're a liar. You're you're the father of lies. I know God's motivation. I know God wants the best for me. I'm going to give him the rest of my life. I'm going to give him my love. Now, that's God's part we've looked at so far of why God says no. Sometimes God says no, and it's our part, and that's what I want to finish up with. I've been saying throughout this series that one of the number one reasons most people never experience an answered prayer is because we don't pray. We just don't. You know, the, the, the fact is, we just don't pray. I know how this goes. Well, I, I, I thought about it. I, I meant to pray. I'm going to pray, but we never get around to it. That's the number one problem. The number two problem is, and this sounds simple, I know, but we never ask for anything. It sounds simple, but the fact is, we just never ask for anything, specifically. I mean, we, we say, thanks, God, for everything, you know, Thanks for blessing me. Or we'll say, you know, God, bless me here, bless me there. Please bless my life, bless my family. Well, how do you know if you're ever blessed if you don't get specific? You know, the the fact is, I believe the more specific you get, the more you're able to see God move. James writes in James 4, 2, he says, You do not have because you do not ask. You know, be very specific in your prayers. Throw away the cliches. You know, I love to hear new Christians pray. I've said this before because they haven't learned uh, Christianese yet, you know. Seriously, you know, we get, we get all bogged down with these phrases and churchy sound and language and everything. And we say a lot, but we say nothing. We say a lot, but we don't ask for anything. Friends, you got to ask. You got to get around to it. Now, sometimes God says no. And I'm making the assumption that you're actually praying and you're actually asking for something. Now, sometimes God says no because the motive, the motive's just wrong. 
It's, it's off the charts. You know, I don't believe it's intentional, uh, but we make these inappropriate requests of God. You know, I believe we're all capable of it, self-included. Because I remember a story, Jesus is traveling, and he has he to be able to go through Samaria. Hmm. He has to go through this Samaritan village, and they tell him he can't cut through, which means he's got to go all the way around it. And the disciples are with him, and they're like, hey, Jesus, why don't you just, like, rain fire down on that village? You know, modern language, nuke it. Get rid of it. And Jesus kind of takes them on. He says, you know what, that's inappropriate. That's out of line. He he rebukes them. And I figure if the disciples who spent all that time with Jesus were capable of it, you and I are. I mean, here's some examples. You know, God, if you would, could, could you, like, change my wife? Could you change my husband? Could you change my coworker or my neighbor or whatever? And it's okay to pray for change. Don't, don't misunderstand me here. But many times when we pray that kind of prayer, what we're really doing is saying, you know, I want them to change, but I want to stay like I am. I'd like you to change them so that it'll kind of accommodate my needs. And friends, if that's true, if that's how you're praying, you're going to hear God say no. You know, maybe a more honest prayer would be something like, you know, God, help me to face my fears. You know, show me what's wrong in my life with that relationship with that person. You know, help me to get my life straight. Help me to love them as you would have me love them. You know, but allow God to to work. Uh, Again, just inappropriate prayers. Uh, Sometimes we do this thing and we're like, okay, God, Give me this new account. You know, I'm in sales. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Show me the money, God. And again, don't misunderstand me. If you're in business, I'm always recommending to people, pray for your business. Pray that, that God will, will be in the midst of it as you expand and grow. And, and, and that's Okay. But, it, but motive, see, we've got to get a motive. If the motive is, hey, I want to show off and, and I want to get a lot of stuff, me, 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 watch out, watch out. A little sidebar on this. I feel like any time I talk on prayer that I need to kind of add, you know, there's this name it, claim it mentality. It's not, it's not a Christian mentality, by the way. It's not biblical. You know, you know how this goes. I claim to have a Cadillac or a Rolls Royce or whatever, and therefore I have, you know, and this is how it goes. And the problem with that mentality is all of a sudden it makes God kind of like a genie. All of a sudden God's serving me, my needs, my whims, rather than me serving God. You know, James 4, 3, he says, when you, when you ask, you do not receive... Read with me. Because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on on your pleasures. Selfishness will cause you to miss what God has. 
if you read through the, the book of Malachi, it, it really hits at that. It, it's hitting on the issue of tithing. That's for another, another message. But he gets it and says, you know, this could be an obstacle. Because at the time that Malachi was writing, the Israelites were playing this slight game. And, and basically they were saying, you know what, God? We want to worship you, and you're number one, and you're the most important. And they, they were demonstrating this little behavior on the side. They were pretending to give God the best, but in reality, what they were doing was like giving God the worst, giving God the, the leftovers. You know, and I always ask people, I say, how do you hold what God gives you? Everything we have belongs to God. How do you hold it? Clench fists? Mine? Mine? Or do we hold it more open? I mean, does God get your best? Does God get leftovers does God get anything you know selfish spirit it can hinder you it can mess you up here if if you're going to ask for something again ask with the right motives ask yourself just a simple question does this really honor God am I honoring God with this Sometimes God says no because our timing's just off. But, you know, oftentimes uh, God answers our prayer. It's just he answers it later than what we expect in order to give us a greater outcome in our lives. Think about Mary, Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus one day and they said, you know, Lazarus is dying. Come quick. He needs healing. And what's interesting is Jesus and Lazarus were, were close friends. Very close friends. And Jesus didn't respond right away. He didn't, he didn't race back to the house to heal him. In fact, he hangs out with the disciples for a few more days. And finally, he, he heads to Lazarus' house. And, he's, and he finds him and he's dead. He's in the tomb. And Jesus brings him back from the grave. I'm going to ask you the greater question again. Which is greater? If Jesus had performed a miracle and healed Lazarus from his sickness, you know, kind of a 911 call, or the fact that he stood at the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. Timing, timing. We hate to wait. You know, I think about it, my, my kids, you know, they, they never were good on this. Kids aren't today either, right? Those of you raising kids, kids don't like, like to wait for things. They rant, they rave, they throw fits. You know, I, I want it. I want it now. I want to wear makeup. You know, I want a, want a car. I want to drive. I want the new Xbox. I want a Wii. You know, I want it and I want it now. And, and the fact is, we are all like children sometimes. God, I want this. Fix this. Make it better. Make it happen. Make it happen now. Help this to come about. Block this. I want this. And God's, God's going, no, not now. No, not now. No, not now. Could be a timing issue. Another reason, and it's going to get really, really quiet in here. We like to dismiss this one. But sometimes sin jams us up when we're praying. You now Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist writes and says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. The Lord will not listen. If you're living in sin, 
unconfessed sin, hear me, unconfessed sin. And that's, you know how this is. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, God forgive you anyway. And so on. And that kind of mentality. Be prepared for God to say no. You know, if you're involved in dishonesty or pride or sexual sin or whatever, whatever it is that's got its claws in you and you're not fighting back anymore. If you're not dealing with it, it'll jam you up. Proverbs 28 says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even their prayers are detestable. If you don't come clean, if you don't repent, if you don't confess the sin, it'll contaminate your prayer life. It'll mess you up in one more area, and that is unresolved conflict in your life, relational conflict. You know, that'll hinder, hinder your prayer life, whether it's in your marriage or with, with your parents or with your children or with a friend or someone you work with, whatever. In fact, Jesus is so serious on this one that, he, that there's a scripture where he says, if you're worshiping and you bring your gift to the altar, in other words, you're at church today, he says, and you remember an issue with a sister or a brother or someone, he says, leave the altar, go, leave And make it right. Make peace. Unresolved conflict will jam you up. And I know as I'm saying that, some of you are going, but but I've tried to apologize. I've tried to make it right. You know, but that person's still holding a grudge and it's still a problem. Again, if you've done everything you can and that person still doesn't want to deal with it, then it's on them. It's not on you. And God won't hold it against you if you've done all you can. Prayer, unanswered prayer. Sometimes it's a mystery. But it's not really an unanswered prayer. That's what I want us to understand today. God always listens. And God always answers. Sometimes he says yes, and we all go, yeah. Sometimes he says, wait. And sometimes God says no. But God always answers, friends. Most reliable network in the universe. It's a thing called prayer. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful opportunity to come before your throne. And God, I know there are prayers being lifted up all over the world right now. And you hear every one of them. God, help us. We don't need a whole lot of help when you say yes. It's when you say wait. Help us, give us patience. And God... Give us maturity when you say no. Give us the maturity to trust you, to know that you have a better day, a better way. God, hear the prayers of this congregation. God, help us to touch every life in this River Bend area. May all we say and do be pleasing in your sight. 
We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Amen.